Reading Rainbow was a show I hosted and produced for 25 years on PBS. Never seen it. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book. Reading Rainbow. <laughs> Reading Rainbow. <laughs> I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And here are your morning announcements. Today, we're talking about Community Season 2, Episode 16, Intermediate Documentary Filmmaking. Now that we've gotten past the intro, you know what that means. It's time for Outsourcing Mike's Bits. <sighs> That's the, the studio audience, again, we're recording in front of again. Ooh, we got the good music playing in the background. You know what? You you can know. You know you get that feeling. Everybody gets that feeling when it's time for outsourcing Mike's bits. It's time for that good, good shuffle. While you shuffle, uh, I do want to say that this song that I downloaded specifically for this bit occasionally breaks and it it screws up on the on the edit. And it's only this <laughs> track, and I don't know why. This is a cursed track for a cursed bit. Continue. Hey, I think everybody loves outsourcing Mike's bits. All right, so we're going to pull the top after a couple of good shuffles. Let's see what hell the what the heck deck has for us this time. I, have I don't like at that it. expression. I don't I like I don't like that expression. I have looked at the card and I don't know how I'm this is going to go, but we're going to see, shall we? Ben, my good friend Ben, if your office, or paper dungeon as we have uh, suggested it should be called, had show and tell for adults, <laughs> what thing would you be proud to display? Uh, nothing. Um, I have nothing. <laughs> I do not interact with me my coworkers. I do not want them to interact with me. As far as they know, I'm a robot who pl punches in at 7 a.m. Pacific time every morning, works my shift, and then goes home and powers down until the next day. And I'm sure. fine. I am fine with that. Um, the, the Nick Weiger plan. I get it. Now, if this is a necessity, if this is work mandated, sure, I will bring in, if I had... To bring in something for show and tell for my office. It does say show and tell for adults. And I don't, I, you can take that how you want. I'm assuming I mean, I'm, it's I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to bring in adult things. That's mm -hmm. not to my office. I'm just saying I've got the card here and I'm just saying that it says for adults on there. Yes, I assume I assume that for adults is more of a procedural thing rather than a a uh, what sort of objects you are bringing to the show and tell thing. I see. So you're it's not like you bring your kids; they have show and tell. Right, like because for a children's show and tell, it's a it's a chaotic sort of thing, and then kids get up and they 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 spout whatever nonsense about whatever they brought in today. Um, mm. I feel like 
I feel like an adult show and tell is going to be, uh, it's, it's going to tie into like motivation or some like execu speak about oh. how we're always uh, continual process improvement. Um, something like that. So it's not, I, it's I not think, like a side thing where everybody's just like, I want to know you more as a person. No, it's going to be less fun in every conceivable way. So, uh, <laughs> I guess, um, okay. I would bring in a hat that I have knit because I knit and I make hats sometimes. And okay. I am proud of those. And, uh, I probably already have the hat on my person if it is, uh, in winter. Mm-hmm. And so I don't need to put any extra effort into it because, again, as far as my coworkers are concerned, I'm a robot who goes home and powers down and then wakes up the next day in order to fulfill my my capitalist functions. Uh, and that's it. Sure. That's all they need to know. Speaking of capitalist functions, we have a Patreon. Anyway, uh, sorry. What would you bring? Make... What would you bring to I'm... your work so... show and tell? Yeah, I this I, podcast. I am, I'm a well, I probably I've told a lot of my uh coworkers about this podcast. So hello coworkers. None um, of my I'm, coworkers know I have a podcast because fair. I don't want them to because I'm a no, robot yeah, who goes I, home I get, and powers down. You. Yeah, that's fair. I actually don't know. It might be uh like maybe a, one of the smaller Mabim Bam posters that I've had signed. To be okay. like, look, I have a cool thing. Uh, and everybody's like, I don't know what you're referring to. And I'm like, it's a cool thing. Don't worry about it. Cool story, bro. Yeah, I don't know what else <laughs> I bring. I don't have, like, I have stuff, but it's like an X. And no one wants to see my Xbox Series X. I mean, most they of might. people are like, they're, they're hard to mo- get. That's true. But most people are like, oh, you would get that instead of a PS5, loser. Do people think that uh do people think that the Xbox is for losers? Honestly, I think people are more happy about the PS5. I mean, I if I were to get a next generation console, I would get a PS5. But well, That's fair. Um I get I'm it. also I'm you also, also so far a PC gamer. Yeah, I'm so far out of the console discourse that like the before I bought my Switch, the last most recent console that i had was a gamecube sure because i mostly play games on pc so i don't know i mean for all i know it could be like xbox is for for losers and ps5 is for the people who have sex and are cool sure and probably smoke (laughs) some cigarettes behind the school after class maybe even jazz cigarettes yeah, like I don't know. I don't know what the stereotypes are. Maybe I, the PlayStation. I mean, PlayStation Five had a uh, PlayStation Four. I guess had Final Fantasy VII remake, so it's probably for like anime nerds, right? Who knows? I think the I remake know. was also on on Xbox, and I think it even got into Xbox Game Pass. I will say though, if you're a PC game, okay, I'm just gonna give some advice here. If you're a PC gamer, get a PS4 because you got all the games through Xbox Game Pass that you can get on the console. It's fine. Um, I, I just really like myself the Xbox controller more than I like the PS PlayStation controller over years. Although I have not touched a PS5 controller. Um so maybe maybe I could be swayed there. But the uh you know, PS5 has some good exclusives. Um and Xbox Series X is gonna have some too because Microsoft is buying everyone. Um That's they one bought, way to do Beth- it. They bought Bethesda, man. <laughs> Bethesda, they make 
the the Elder Scrolls games, Skyrim. Mm-hmm. That I is, spat that is on my microphone. I'm so excited. Um, yes. Also, the I, college football video game is back. Ha ha! We talked about video games. Ha! Yes. The college football mm-hmm. college football is back as a video game. I'm so excited. I I mentioned to you on twitter earlier that this was just going to accidentally be a video game podcast today because of your excitement about the college football game and somehow we almost got through a whole intro about video games without that coming up so i was right just not in the way that i expected it to be somehow that happened and uh it's like it's like when you put nerds in a discord chat together they'll talk about video games weird uh so what you're saying is Xbox is definitely for nerds because you're a nerd and PlayStation 5 is for cool people who have sex and smoke behind the school after class. I'm yeah, I'm cool with that. Uh I'm I'm fine with being a nerd. Okay. Um uh, I, I like my Xbox Series X. I'll just say it that way. So And I don't have either, so I'm just like Well, we can all we we can normie. all agree on one thing. Whatever you get, you should probably get a Switch too. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just a normie who has a Switch, and so I play my Switch games like a normal person who's mm. not either too cool or too nerdy. Let's talk mm-hmm. about... You're having the moderate amount of sex you should be having. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, you know, you've got and, the zero and smoke sex, the only, too much sex. Smoke only in designated places, um, mm-hmm. should I choose to do so. Um mm. Season 2, episode 16, intermediate documentary filmmaking, starts out at a hospital. Um, Mm. The whole thing actually takes place in a hospital. I don't know why I use the phrase starts out, but... Some of it does take place outside of the hospital, very, very close to the hospital. I don't think Google Maps is going to be like, well, you you have arrived at outside the hospital. Like, it's not going to give you directions to... It might label it as a parking lot. Like, maybe they're in the auxiliary parking lot on the Google Maps. All I'm saying. It, this this episode takes place in and immediately outside a hospital. Uh, they have... Somebody has, has discovered Pierce unconscious on a park bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, so From last episode. It is, it is sort of implied that this is basically probably like the next day after last episode. Yeah, it's, it's, um, a, it's a rough uh, thing that immediately happens. So... Yeah, they they had uh, discovered him on the park bench, passed out. Um, the the whole gang is here. Uh, also, Im- very immediately, it is obvious that uh, this episode is shot differently. It is yes. The the camera is is a little um, shakier. It's in this uh, sort of uh, documentary sort of style. Yes. Uh, we find out that it's it is because Abed is making a documentary. Uh, at Pierce's request, Pierce has asked Abed to document his life for historical purposes. Yes. Um, He's also got Pavel and Garrett helping him. I mean, you, you got to have you got to have some B-roll. I mean, you got to have oh, someone absolutely. getting that B-roll. Um, somebody's and, focused on Pierce. Somebody's focused on everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's perfect. So uh, Pierce uh, is is ready for visitors. He admits to the study group. That uh yep, yeah, the the pills took him over. Um he he got hooked on him. When asked about the the documentary, it cuts to Abed, who is like, okay, well Pierce asked me to do this. And frankly, not to be like rude, but 
I find Pierce a very boring subject, but I've always wanted to try documentary filmmaking. Uh, it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. It's easy to tell a complex story when you can just cut to people explaining things to the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which Pierce, is true. It's absolutely true. It's uh, similar to uh, to reality television where a thing happens and then somebody talks about it pretty much immediately. Uh, because they're well, so, the talking, talking head room. The other thing uh, for context is that at the time... Uh, the Office is still, I think, one of the highest rated shows on NBC. Um, that makes sense, yes. I mean, it, this was in the... I'm pretty sure this was in the post-Michael Scott years, so I don't know if it was still that popular. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but The Office was still on TV until 2013. Uh, mm-hmm. Parks and Rec has also started up by this point. Um, and they have a very similar kind a of... very similar mockumentary sort of style. Right. And so not only is it sort of that... I mean, because, yes, you're right. In reality TV shows, you do have that talking head moment. But in the mockumentary shows, like The Office and in Parks and Rec, you do also get those talking head moments. Absolutely. Um, and in fact, so, probably, reality television probably took that from documentaries and then you know left documentaries behind because reality television has people drinking to excess and having sex on camera. Because they have playstation fives and uh because they have playstation fives exactly <laughs> so sony's just all over the place man uh-huh um by the way sony if you're listening and find this uh this advertisement about how playstation five is for cool people who have sex uh hit me up with one of those ps5s my dude um and microsoft if you love this <laughs> advertisement about how your fans are nerds that don't have any sex Hit me up. I'd love some free Xbox Game Pass at, uh, months. Uh, so, <clears throat> anyways. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I think that's important as we go into this episode because I never really uh, conflated the two. Like, I know this is obviously sort of a take on the mockumentary sort of thing. Sure. But I, I think at the time I had been watching The Office... Uh, I don't know that I was into Parks and Rec yet. Okay. Um, but now I have watched Parks and Rec many, many, many times. Oh yes, it's quite. And good. so the, you know the the. So I, I do think it's interesting to look at this episode as a sort of like, okay, the most popular TV show on NBC, the the network we are actively on, is this mockumentary, and so it's a mock mockumentary. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I th- I think that's all important to like take into account. Uh, that's because context. I agree. I don't think the mockumentary is actually that big anymore. The Office is over. Parks and Rec is over. I don't know that there's a lot of TV shows still doing this. That's a good point. I, you know what? I don't think I watch a lot of TV because I'm rewatching Star Wars: The Clone Wars. <laughs> uh, I as a note, I hate sand. Anyways, um. The te- I'm just saying, Anakin in the TV show Star Wars: The Clone Wars is so much better as a character. Sorry, I you can cut that. I just wanted to say that out loud again. So it's my fault for bringing up how much I hate sand and how much it's I like true. soft things. Uh, it, it's gritty and it gets and how sand. soft is and how sand is coarse and gets everywhere. Um. So, but yes, Abed's note. The reason I I brought all this up not the not the sand thing but the mockumentary thing. <laughs> Is, just to make sure, not the sand thing. 
Abed's note that it's easy to tell a complex story when you can cut to people explaining things to the camera. Like, that one line makes me really recontextualize a lot of Parks and Rec, which is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Sure. But I'm like, oh my God, they do that all the time, don't they? Right. They're just like, oh, we need a we need an explanation for this. Um, okay, cool. Leslie says some things to the camera. All right, cool. We're all caught up. We don't need to have like complex. I'm like, oh my God, they do that, huh? They do that a lot. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they do do it to support their jokes as well, but yeah, they do a lot to explain things. Um, speaking of explaining things to the camera, uh, before he does so, Pierce is in the room telling everybody that he's going to be bequeathing gifts to everyone as, as well as sharing with them his final words because he's dying. Uh, the documentary immediately cuts to him playing cards in his room alone saying, I'm not really dying. The group has little respect for, for me. So I'm exacting my revenge. And Abed is like, yeah, just like that. I do like that Troy initially is like, are you going to kill us? (laughs) It's like, Troy, you sweet summer child. There's a lot of good Troy moments in this episode. This episode. And no one else gets good good moments. This episode is a masterpiece for Donald Glover. It is so good. It's a Troy Uh, divorce. We will get into that. Um, So after the credits, everyone is is waiting in the uh, waiting room. Um, they're using the room for its intended purpose, which is to wait. Uh, they are all... I don't think that was necessary <laughs> to indicate, but okay. <laughs> Sorry, say what? I don't think that was necessary to indicate, but okay. I I felt like maybe it was. Um, you know, like whenever whenever I take a bath, I just I, I sit down in that, <laughs> that bath and I'm like, I'm using this room for its intended purpose. Uh, just so the room knows that I appreciate its existence. I have, I have the image in your in my mind of you just sitting straight up in a bath being like, I am using this room for this intended purpose. I mean, if you ask my coworkers, I am a robot who goes home and bees a robot and doesn't do anything of interest. So that that tracks. So I mean, doing doing that is sitting in a bath sock still. I don't think that's of interest. Uh so yes, uh, they they're all arguing about whose fault this is because everyone, f- everyone but Jeff feels a little bit of guilt because you know as as we've called out multiple times, they're just kind of like they see him pop a bill- pill and they're just like, well, you should probably shouldn't be doing that, and then they sort of just leave it and they're like, oh, we should probably we should probably talk about him about that to him at at some point. Uh, anyways, back to our own bullcrap. So they feel guilty about it. But Jeff is like, look, guy got addicted to pain pills. Happens all the time. Uh, You know, it's not our fault. Like, we can't blame ourselves for this. Sure. He also points out that, do you guys remember the time that Pierce had the hiccups and pulled the fire alarm? Yeah, he he basically is like, Pierce is overreacting to all of this. Uh, I like the idea that if you have hiccups bad enough, you would pull the fire alarm of all actions to take. I mean, how bad are we talking here? I mean, I guess if for Pierce, any hiccups is enough. I, I don't we don't get a level of hiccup. What What level of hiccups would it take for you to pull the fire alarm? I mean, I would have to literally be like, I'm hiccuping so hard I'm going to die. It's a, it's a, 
potentially comically bad level of hiccups that I don't think exist in the real world. Sure. The the nurse comes out and she she says that Mr. Hawthorne is ready to give his bequeathings. Uh which Troy of course finds funny, but mm-hmm. uh, Sorry, I don't mean to I don't mean to not listen, but I am googling can you die from the hiccups. Okay, keep on keep on doing that. Um, I'll just there's limited along. evidence that anyone has died as a direct result of the hiccups, but it can disrupt things like eating and drinking, sleeping, speaking, and mood. Uh, okay, it's good to know. So just d- try to get away from those hiccups if you got them. It is explained to Troy that uh, Pierce is going to give them gifts, and we find out in a quick talking head that Troy says, if I'm going to get bequeathed upon... I hope to get a drum kit or a signed photo of actor LeVar Burton. Those are his top two wishes. Put a pin in that photo of LeVar Burton. Uh, So the first person to receive their their bequeathment is Shirley. She gets called into the room and Pierce immediately says, look, you know, we both know that you and I are the most hated people two of the group she brought in stuff from the gift shop to try to make him happy which is very which is a very funny like i i don't know what to do but i'm doing this i guess i mean what do you do when the old racist sexist man homophobic man Mm -hmm. whatever other adjectives you can whatever phobias you want is probably there when he's in the hospital like what do you even what do you do? Like you give him a mug. Just, she's trying her best. She's trying her best. Mm-hmm. She's doing the Christian thing, which is to buy the man a mug with some dogs on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does uh, gift her a CD of an audio file of the study group quote talking about her while she's out of the room end quote. And she's just like I don't I don't believe that there's anything on that. Like she she's just like no. I mean they're not gonna they're not gonna t- like talk about me when I'm out of the room. And mm-hmm. but she still s- tries to stealthily pocket that that bad boy as she walks out of the room. Yep. Uh, in the waiting room, Shirley's like, "Well, this CD uh, uh, is ridiculous. Yeah, I know you guys don't do all don't talk about me when I'm out of the room, do you?" And everyone immediately deflects. <laughs> You know, honestly, like I I feel like that's that's a rough that's a rough thing because like I feel like the people who piss you off the most are sometimes going to be the ones that you love and right. having those moments where it's like, "Oh, well I recorded somebody say like talking about you behind your back." Like I think like I'm I'm sure people talk crap about me behind my back all the time sure. because like I did something stupid and they're just like, oh, I need to just rant about this for a moment. And, and then I, for one, am doing constantly <laughs> doing stupid stuff. <laughs> you know, I I'm not I'm not going to hold anyone. I'm not going to hold that against anyone like. But yeah, I mean, they're they're just immediately just like, oh, uh, mm, like they're pretending to read the newspaper and to, mm, I, mm, just avoid and, the and question. I believe Jeff looks at his phone and Annie's like, ooh, what's that on your phone? <laughs> it's, uh-huh. it's, she didn't it's have an exit kind of, strategy. Uh, that's pretty, pretty usual for Annie, to be honest. 
This is when the nurse comes back and requests sour face, which Britta then immediately makes a very sour face. I do really appreciate that joke of Britta making the sour face when she calls for sour face. She's like, hey, you know, I don't really need anything. I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm just here to, like, spend some time with you, you know? I mean, you know what Dylan Thomas said about death? And he's like, no, "No, I don't. Tell me. She's like, okay, bluff called, (laughs) which uh, I do appreciate. Um, It's Britta. Britta Britta didn't even have a hand that she overplayed there. What did she think was going to happen? I know. He's he's either going to say, yes, I do, and then say it, uh, which would be a, a... impressive called shot (laughs) or he's gonna be or he's gonna be like well no but i'm not interested let's not talk about that but Mm -hmm. the most likely scenario is no what what did he say you are leading somewhere you are asking this for a reason britta (laughs) yeah like if I were to say to you, you know what, you know what Yogi Berra says about death, it's like you're gonna ask. I don't think Yogi Berra has <laughs> uh-huh. ever said anything yeah, about death. No. What are you talking about? I know you're making a stupid joke, but I'm like, wait, what did he say about like <laughs> that impulse to be like, yeah, exactly. Yogi Berra, what did he, what did he say about death? Pierce says that Britta is the most selfless one of the group. So what he is bequeathing to her is a check for ten thousand dollars with the pay line blank to so that she can give it to the charity of her choice she's a little surprised because after what he gave shirley she thought everybody thought he was playing mind games and then as she's leaving he says well i mean you could also take the money for yourself it does stop her in her tracks out the door huge props to Gillian Jacobs here because her you don't even see her face in this right. shot. She is back back to the camera. It's very good. Her body language in this shot like you can see Britta's turmoil yeah. of the sentence Pierce just said. Yeah. Like she she's an incredible actress. Fantastic. She does so well in this shot because it's like you just immediately get that like oh there's the mind game like and 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 it's getting to her like immediately well i think that's that's another uh uh characteristic of britta that basically any mind game you want to play on britta she immediately will feel troy says that uh he and abed have an agreement that if one of them die the other will stage it to look like a suicide caused by the unjust cancellation of firefly we're going to get that show back on the air, buddy. <laughs> he looks directly at the camera and gives a <laughs> thumbs up. It's so funny. It is very good. Like, uh, almost everything Troy is given in this episode, he s- just hits out of the park. It's fantastic. It is It is a Donald Glover gold mine. I love this. It's so it good. It just sucks that so much of it has to do with Pierce. Britta, you can see uh, she is clearly very frazzled about this check. Like, she is having thoughts. Um, very uncomfortable thoughts. We just need to research a few charities because some take a lot off the top. And you think you're giving money to people that really need it. And you're really giving it to some middleman who's going to pay off their parking tickets, credit cards, and keep from getting kicked out of her place in April. 
<laughs> it's clear she's talking about herself. She oh, is absolutely. literally. So this takes place in February because the last episode was a Valentine's Day thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So she's literally got like two months before she yeah, gets kicked out of her place. It's rough. Um, so you know, it's not it's not just that the 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 idea of like greed is there, but also that idea of like self preservation. Self preservation, exactly. Like if she takes the money, if she even takes a part of the money, right? Like she doesn't she get kicked can, out of her apartment. She doesn't get kicked out of the apartment. Shelter. Exactly. Like I hate all the mind games. I I just to. Uh, part the curtain a little bit i literally was watching this yesterday and i was like i don't i just hate <laughs> the energy that's coming off of this episode except for when troy and lavar burton are on camera <laughs> like that's all i want i just wanted that next up is gonna be annie uh but jeff is like no i'm talking to him now because this is this is bull crap he he just barges into mm-hmm. pierce's room not before giving the nurse a complisult. Yes. I do have in my notes that he coined the term complisult. And also Britta explains the explanabrag. I thought I thought he he popularized it and yes, Britta. I'm sorry. Coined he the popularized name. it. She coined it. Yes. You are you are correct. Thanks for the uh Explanabrag? Sure. I was gonna say a correct it correct uh but I, I didn't have anything i didn't yeah I, it's it's this <laughs> correct amundo we, we give britta crap this is harder than than one might expect good job britta you did it i'm to very be proud fair, of you. britta does not have to do it on mic uh during a podcast that she's doing so, but i do imagine that britta does have a podcast in the world that we live in <laughs> Somehow, in, I don't know what it is about. In 2021, in 2021, I bet Britta definitely has a podcast. Uh, it has five listeners. Uh, it, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what it's about. It is, it is ostensibly about uh, global politics. Absolutely. But in reality, uh, 90% of it is about her cat and... Yes. Um uh the the guy at the coffee shop that she hates but kind of has a crush on right and also it has a patreon that has no subscribers <laughs> zero subscribers <laughs> uh-huh exactly good job but Britta. she's pushing it she's she she pushes it speaking of patreon we have a patreon uh it's got f- two of her four subscribers think that it's a podcast about the brita water filtration system so and they don't... <laughs> <laughs> welcome to you know, Brita cast a podcast you know funny not about I am, water I am filtration at, i want to look if Brita actually has a the Brita filtration as a podcast that would be wild if if wouldn't it if a water filtration company was like here's all the news that's fit to filter uh, and it's just about how it's just about filtering down the news to healthy uh toxic free i have i've not i've not i've not found any brita water filter podcasts unfortunately (laughs) um what if the brita water filtration podcast would came out every three months and it was literally just 
it is time to change your Brita water filtration system. <laughs> if you liked this episode, like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Excuse, I just want to put a quick word out to the Brita Corporation. If you'd like one or both of us to host the podcast that we've just created for you, uh, just send an email to uh, goodmorninggreendale at gmail.com. What is uh, it again? Contact at goodmorninggreendale.com. Yes. We we look forward to your 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 inquiry, Brita, uh, water filtration company. Uh, boy, howdy. Um. <clears throat> I mean, to be honest, they could just cut exactly what you wrote in there and just credit you and you don't have to do any more work. In fact, Nailed maybe it. we should do that and send it to Britta and be like, here's here's our invoice. Jeff comes in. <laughs> I got so distracted on that stupid Britta water filtration podcast. <laughs> I do kind of want to just start a podcast that's like, it's time to change your water filter and that's it and see how many people listen to this stupid thing. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get back into the show for realsies. Now, Jeff, Jeff walks into Pierce's hospital room. Uh, he sure does. And he he confronts Pierce and he's like, okay, I, this is this is all this is all bull crap. Let's let's cut that. Let's cut the crap. And Pierce is like, you know, I've thought about this day for a long time. Only you were the one in bed, and I was a hologram. Jeff kind of confronts him that suggesting that he's using leverage afforded to him being on his alleged deathbed uh, to exact complicated acts of psychological vengeance on the group. To which Pierce responds, <laughs> I was never one to hold a grudge, Jeffrey. My father held grudges. I'll always hate him for that. Pierce asks Jeff if, if he's close with his father. And and Jeff is like, nah, I mean, I, I got by my on my own. And Pierce is like, oh, well, that's a shame. And, and basically suggests he ought to reconnect with his father. Mm -hmm. uh, and luckily for Jeff, Pierce managed to find Jeff's father, William Winger, born in Oklahoma City, 1945. Uh, goes on with some additional details about uh, William Winger. And he mm -hmm. happens to also be sitting in a town car on his way to this very hospital. Should be I, here in an hour or so. Yes, indeed. I do want to just have a Colorado moment with my friend Ben. Um, okay. He mentions that he resides in Dorchester. I looked up Dorchester and I found a ghost town near Gunnison. Interesting. Do you have any thoughts about Dorchester or Gunnison? Uh, I wasn't aware that there was a Dorchester in Colorado. I assumed that it was because later uh, later on when, when Pierce is pretending to be Jeff's dad, he says he needs to go catch a flight to like some exotic location. I assume mm -hmm. Dorchester was like uh, a, a sort of like a foreign place. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like to, to imply that William Winger is a jet setting, uh, uh, okay. jet setting dude. 
So uh, what you're the, saying the is that the fact that there is a Dorchester, Colorado, is I mean, absolutely news to me. Suggesting that the, it, there is a Dorchester, Colorado, is a bit much, considering it is a kind of a ghost town. I mean, yeah, in that case, like, but see, Jeff probably doesn't know that. It's true, <laughs> uh, especially because it's six hours away from Denver. Uh, Dorchester was a town of thousand miners and prospectors in 1900 when gold was discovered in the Italian mountains. I didn't. Okay, I'm sure that name is. Is that is that a name of a, a mountain range? In I mean, Colorado? this is this is all uh, this is all sort of Western Colorado. Okay. So, like, really, if you want to get down to it, there's basically three Colorados. Okay, let's, uh, let's east, go let's east of the Colorado. Rockies, uh, from Denver to the Wyoming border. Okay, east of the Rockies, south of Denver, uh, okay. and then the entire west of the Rockies. Okay, so this is Western Colorado. Yes. Um. So we don't do you do you have do you have any like touchstones of Western Colorado to kind of describe to people what it is? Because I don't know. I mean, it's mountains. Okay. And apparently ghost towns. Of, yeah, there's of, a lot uh, of ghost towns out there. Of gold, gold being found and then not being found anymore. Oh, yeah. No, I, I looked up. I looked up where this, this thing. Yeah, it's, it's like southwestern Colorado. Like. Ugh. So if we are, are following your concept of, the, of William Winger being a jet setter, uh, is he in Dorchester in uh, England? Yeah, I mean, so okay. Let, let's let's back up a second. There okay. are there are a handful of towns in the world that only a handful that you can list by name without having to provide a country or or state. Sure. Six a six hour away ghost town is not a place that you just be like, oh yeah, it's there. Like if he was like, oh, he's he lives in Gunnison. Sure, I I've heard of Gunnison. I've never heard of Dorchester, but like you drop that name, and I'm gonna be like, oh, he's probably talking about like England. Okay, fair enough. So I just want to double check because I did the Googles. I I I have receipts. Let me put it this way: in all the years I've watched Community, I've never once, even for a second, thought that he was talking about Dorchester, Colorado. I don't know. I, I was just like, I don't know. I'm going to Google it and see what it comes up. And there's something. So I was like, this is a weird pull. Jeff's dad is on his way in a town car. Uh, and Jeff is like, okay, no, you know, whatever. Um, although actually, wait, okay. Let me go back to the Dor- Dorchester thing one more time. <laughs> I thought we were done with Dorchester. Well, no, because I just, I just realized that maybe maybe the writing team thought Dorchester was a real place. Like they looked at a map and was just like, sure. Okay. So I typed in Dorchester, Colorado into Google Maps and it's it's not on the map. So right. but yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they literally were just like, I don't know, like pick a random freaking town in southwestern Colorado and I mean, I, there's way bigger play. I mean, you could Alamosa or Durango or Grand Junction or like, hell, say Grand Junction. Everyone in Colorado knows where Grand Junction is. It's fine. 
Pueblo. I mean, that's more south. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of not close to Denver places in Colorado. You could just name drop if you're going to name drop a place. I have a second thought about this. I'm going to continue down this Dorchester path until I die, I think. Okay. There is a the Dorchester condominiums in Denver, Colorado. Maybe it's, he has a condo. It would be Denver. weird to be like like no nobody the 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 I don't think there's any place that like it's okay i've been watching fraser <laughs> fraser famously to be lives fair, at, i didn't i did not posit that as the real choice i just thought it was funny fraser lives famously in elliott bay towers and he often when he's like hey uh sexy lady how about a date and she's like sure you're fraser crane from the radio i want to hit that he's just like all right, cool. Dinner at six. I live at the Elliott Bay Towers. And people are just like, I know where that is. There is sure. nowhere in any city I've ever lived where someone could be like, I live at building name. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. I know exactly where that is. I don't need to ask any further follow up questions like an address. Sure. Like it, how fancy of his freaking condos are there that he's just like, I can give you the building name. You will know immediately where that is, or perhaps your taxi driver, or maybe your professional driver that you have on retainer. You can just say Elliott Bay Towers, Svensson, and Svensson <laughs> is just like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm taking you to the Elliott Bay Towers. I know exactly where that is. And then everyone is fine. This is fine now. I don't think he's talking about <laughs> condos in Denver when he says Dorchester. That, that's fair. I just did a quick Google, but I do want to. I do want to just point out and appreciate the the fact that you brought up Frasier after hearing more about the Frasier reboot that's coming, knowing that that will put us years ahead of where we need to be for our Frasier podcast I'm tr- that I'm we're trying probably not, doing next. I'm trying not to think about it. What do you think about the Frasier <laughs> reboot? Tweet at us at Good Green Jeff hates this, and he's just like, okay, my father's not actually coming here. Uh, see you at the funeral. And Pierce is just like, and so it is bequeathed. And so we cut back out to the waiting room where people are using the waiting room for its intended purpose. <laughs> and Jeff now looks really frazzled, too. Um, and he's like, Cause, cause they're like, Jeff, what are you going to say like to your dad when he get and Pierce? He's like, no, Pierce is just playing mind games. My dad's not really on the way here. Shirley declares that she will not listen to this CD uh, and that everyone is forgiven. But Britta asks, how do we know that we're forgiven? Or how do we know what we're forgiven for? If we don't even know what's on it. And Shirley's like, and you never have to. After that situation, Britta turns to Jeff and says, well, what happens if your dad is actually coming? And then starts role-playing Jeff's dad, which Jeff then starts role-playing Britta's dad, and then Jeff turns it into an undercover agent, and there's a whole thing about Iraq and Iran. I got very confused. <laughs> it goes it goes some places. 
Hi. Hey. Hi, I'm Jeff's dad. Hi. Hi, Hi Jeff's dad. I'm Britta's dad. What? Why? I don't know. Got drunk, didn't have a condom, and her mom gets freaky when she hears Oingo Boingo. Oh, God, I wish I could relate, but much like my son, I'm a closet homosexual. Don't apologize for that. You're talking to the guy that banged Britta's mom. I have no standards. Well, what do you say we take a tumble? I'll put on a wig. That's it. You're under arrest. I'm an undercover cop. It's not illegal to be gay. It is here in Iran. Now when we're in the green zone. That's Iraq, stupid. Well, what do I know? I'm Jeff Weir's dumb gay dad. Uh, I do like this exchange because it is sort of like it, it is it is sort of a, a like playful couple that's been together for a while sure. thing, but also at the same time really antagonistic. Yes, quite antagonistic. It felt like aggressive antagonistic improv that I'd listened to on a podcast. Right, plus with a little bit of flirting, like just the way that they're. Mm-hmm. They're like body language and the way that they say say certain things. I'm like, they are like four seconds from making out, except for the fact that they are supposed to be each other's dads somehow. Right. And also, this is a waiting room, not a makeout room. They need to if they started making out, they'd have to move to the makeout room. They'd have room to move out to the makeout purpose. room and use it for its intended purpose. Exactly. Exactly. We're always here in my uh study room. I am currently studying. Uh, how to podcast better. I'm not doing a great job of it, but I am studying it. Why do you think that they use the phrase to bed for as a as a different way to say sex? Because you have the bedroom, and so now it is for being in a bed, but also to bed someone else. Oh, I, See? I so so when I call my bedroom and I don't call it a bedroom, I call it a sex room. Is that being weird then? <laughs> It just implies that when you're sleeping, you're not using it for its intended purpose. Mm. I see. <laughs> so what you're saying is what I should call it is the sex and sleep room. Yes. Which is which is what the original name was way back sure. in the day. And then English simplified down yeah. to bedroom because it has two meanings. So, <clears throat> And I don't have enough kitsch in my kitchen. Moving on. So purpose. they do that whole thing. Uh, it does culminate in... Britta shouting in the middle of this waiting room, what do I know? I'm Jeff Winger's dumb gay dad. (laughs) Wow. There's a lot. There's just a lot here from Britta. There's a lot. Uh, Jeff Jeff, has a... Yeah, uh, go ahead. A talking head telling the camera that his dad was a two-bit con man of little substance. Pierce couldn't have tracked him down from a hospital bed because money doesn't just make people appear... And suddenly in the background, LeVar by God Burton shows up asking for Troy Barnes, sent by Pierce Hawthorne. Jeff immediately looks panicked. Uh, it's not a very long shot, but you can see mm. in his face, he kind of looks away from, from Mr. LeVar Burton and mm. is like panicked in that mm. moment because it turns out money can just make people appear. Exactly. Jeff does do his duty and points LeVar at Troy who immediately and silently freaks out the moment he sees him just staring at him like a ghost. Yeah. And so surely in, in sort of a repeating refrain throughout this episode, surely is like, Oh, well I am, why am I the only one he decided to torture? Because everyone else seems to be getting these very nice things. Right. But as soon as she says that it cuts to Troy in like a, a cafeteria or like a a break a, room, so, just break room having a wild breakdown. I told Pierce a thousand times. I never. 
he is just oh god like can this show just be made up of troy having massive freakouts because he's so good at them probably Uh, not great for for donald glover but you know we cut to annie uh it is time for her bequeathment she comes Mm. in Pierce gives her a very nice and fancy looking tiara. It has been in the Hawthorne family for six generations, and now it's Annie's. Mm-hmm. And that's what she gets. Uh, in the waiting room, uh, everybody's just kind of silently thinking about what they have. And they should Shirley be doing is, that in the thinking room, but that's exactly. The point. See, this is, mm-hmm. I think we're on the same page now. Um, Shirley is aggressively smiling and humming at them, like, mm hmm. It's it's very concerning. Um, in the hallway, Abed asks Jeff if he wants to see his dad. And Jeff's like, he's not coming. I, I don't want to see him, but I'm not going to leave because I don't care. And I'm not going to let Pierce think I care. He shouts, there is no dad. And I don't want you to. And don't you dare intercut this rant with footage of me freaking out. And sure enough, it cuts to a bunch of footage of Jeff freaking out. Um, Wonderful. Which really... Just- Helps to Wonderful. underscore how good this mockumentary and by extension actual documentary sort of style is because just being able to cut between a bunch of shots of Jeff freaking out while he's shouting about not freaking out. Yeah. So and good. Not, and don't show me footage of me freaking out. And it's again, the kind good. of thing that they absolutely do on The Office and Parks and Recreation. Right. Cut back to Troy and LeVar Burton is being very nice and and uh he's he's talking with Troy and he's Troy's still ha- he has this like look on his face that is just like LeVar Burton is going to uh explode into glass shards right. and kill Troy at any moment. He, and, he's trying to make small talk leading to him telling him about ra- reading rainbow and then right, it cuts to- he's like he's like do you know me more from star trek or my work on reading rainbow you know it was it was a show that i produced on pbs for like 25 years did you ever see it it cuts to troy in the bathroom singing the reading rainbow theme song and crying it's just chef kiss it's so good <laughs> just magnifique Annie comes back in to Pierce's room and and she's like, okay, I, I want to know what this tiara means because er- everything you gave to everyone else is torturing everybody. Um, and what, what, what is the deal with it? Are these blood diamonds, Holocaust diamonds? And Pierce is like, no, 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 <laughs> it's nothing like that. You're, you're just my favorite. So I, I gave this to mm-hmm. you. Uh, in a talking head, she's like, what does that mean? Britta finally decides to give the money to the Red Cross, but actually admits to Abed on the camera that if there was not a camera on her, she would have taken that money right out of, as she says, the mouths of crippled, starving, malaria-ridden refugee kids. And now I know that forever. Thanks, Pierce. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to kind of confront something you believe of yourself is kind of a big deal. Oh um, yeah, especially no. when I mean, like, especially when somebody's being a massive jag off about it. Like you know, 
the the thing about all of Pierce's torture in this episode is that he is actually really good at it because Very good. like cuz because the thing is you know it's not about Britta having to give away that money and then feel weird about having had that power like if someone hands me you know like ten thousand dollar bills and i'm just like oh like that's a ton of money oh my god can you imagine holding that much money that someone just gave you and then them saying but go you know give it to someone who who needs it like that's even if even if you are totally selfless that's a lot of power right right absolutely it is but then it's not even about that because it's like that he knows more than anything her having to walk that line and be like i could use this for all sorts of good things for me personally and the fact who's, that i who's want actively, to and who's actively about to go through something probably somewhat traumatic right and the fact that i want to actually do this like you can't unknow that right Right. like it doesn't matter if you give the money to the red cross or or cancer research or whatever you now have to live forever with that knowledge that like if there was not a camera on you which by the way again pierce asks for this camera right this This documentary is happening at pierce's request this is all part of it so it all plays out in this like in this like Pierce, when it comes to psychologically torturing the people closest to him, he is a grandmaster chess wizard. Yes, with an if. Uh, yes, with a but. <laughs> I'm going to whatever the Revel and jo- Lovejoy is. Yes, he does make one small mistake. Later. He does, which we will get to. Uh, so also, small mistake is a bit the size of it. We can discuss one tiny big mistake. So. <laughs> Shirley is still in the waiting room. She is going on about how, you know, she's not even going to listen to the CD and, you know, you just have to forgive yourself. Like I forgave you. Yep. Yep. And Britta gets so mad. It's done. We're doing it. We're listening to it. She grabs it. She rushes off into the break room and pops it in. Not the the CD CD playing room though. It's true. Um, I mean, if they listen to it and then immediately break the CD, Mm-hmm. that's fine because they've they've broken it in the break room that's fair yeah that's a good point so they play the cd and it's like uh pierce is like hey how much do we all hate shirley and Fred is just like pierce knock it off and jeff is like stop trying to record us with that stupid spy pen mm-hmm. uh so the moral here is that uh nobody said anything bad about shirley although i i would say if somebody was like hey ben here's a recording of uh all your friends talking talking crap about you behind your back and then most of the recording is brian stop recording us with that stupid spy pen i would be like this proves nothing one way or the other fair (laughs) i will say though there's a reason that early i don't know if you remember earlier in the episode i did mention very specifically what pierce said um talking about her while she's out of the room Mm -hmm. not talking crap it's very specific 
I think that's it's true. That's actually a really good point that I never really considered because in my it's head, technically true, right? Well, and in my head, I always just filled in him saying that. But right. you're right. He's just like they're just talking about you when you're out of the room. I want you to have this. It's a compact record, and it uh, contains an audio file of your study group talking about you while you're out of the room. It's all here. Burnt into this sketch by optical lasers. I don't believe you. I know it sounds like science fiction. No, I don't believe there's anything on that. And then that leads the expectation of, oh, they're talking bad about me while I'm out of the room. And not only that, so she assumes that they're talking bad about her, but they also kind of assume because, I mean, they... They, they don't want to admit that they talk about her behind her back. Exactly. And so, you know, for all they know, they did. They say, for, all, for all they know, she went on about her kids a whole bunch. And the moment she left the room, they're just like, oh, God, enough with the kid pictures already. You know, whatever. Because right. it's a human reaction to see, like, have something negative, like, have something happen and you're over it. And you're like, oh, I wish they would. Just, you know, sometimes Ben just really makes me want to. He he says we got to keep going in the podcast, and I want to keep doing the jokes, but I got to keep going on the podcast. And so, and like, then he talks about Fraser for thirty five minutes. Yeah, Jeez, and, and and boy, God, they're calling again. Um, what the hell is Elliot Bay Towers? Why do I need to know this? Anyways, I tuned out during the whole thing of that. And, but <laughs> but you know, like it is a human nature to kind of like sure kind of decompress after that, and that's not a. I mean, it's not a negative thing unless you're like, hey, that. If you're talk literally talking behind somebody's back of like, hey, we should do X Y Z to Shirley because she sucks or whatever. Right. But even then, it's not. That's not even what he's Im he's implying that, but he's explicitly stating this is a conversation that we had about you while you were not there. Right. Reg not a negative or positive connotation to that. I find that very. And this is kind of points to your uh, master class of guilt and mm -hmm. torture and revenge. He very, I think that is a very specific sentence that he said, and he mm -hmm. had plans to say that sentence. But yes, I still, I still feel that this proves nothing because uh, again, oh, sure. if, if you played a recording and it was all just like, Brian, stop, stop trying to record us at, well, Ben's out of the room. Like it doesn't prove anything. Right. Cause then, you know, once he turns it off, he's like, man, that guy, Ben is such a jag off. You know? <laughs> It, you can't prove a negative, or I guess the negative. He thinks I don't know. he he thinks people with Xboxes are nerds, and people with PS fives have way more sex, and that's not even close <laughs> to true. Yeah, and so Britta immediately gets indignant about it, and she's like, "Well, guess we do owe you an apology, Shirley. We shouldn't have said those things about you." And then walks out, mm -hmm. and so you know, Shirley doesn't feel super great, and Britta right. doesn't feel super great. Uh, Shirley tells the camera that she sometimes uses guilt as a weapon. Abed walks into the room behind her and is like, hey, what are you doing? And uh, Shirley's like, I was just doing a talking head, unless you want me to be the only one who doesn't do that. And uh -huh. he's like, go ahead. So, guilt as a weapon, you say? We go back to Jeff, and he comes back into Pierce's hospital room. And he says, so, you found my father, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe, uh, I'm ready to see him. They, they have this sort of exchange and, and, um, you know, basically like, okay, great. Cause you know, he's on his way and, you know, mm -hmm. and then Jeff is like, oh, 
by the way, I should probably tell you that if you're lying to me, he goes on the whole thing. I didn't write down yeah. the whole thing. If you lie to me and he's not coming or a car comes up and anyone other than my father gets out, I will beat you and there will be nothing madcap or wacky about it. As soon as Jeff is out of the room, Pierce panics and starts grabbing at the phone. Um, and then we go back to Britta in the waiting room. Uh, I do want to point out that 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 Pierce scrambling to get the phone out. I, that I I I, I want to discuss that later. Okay, I think it's we a can. very interesting scene. Okay, that is trying to suggest one thing, but actually is another. Uh, so Lavar Burton is waiting in the the waiting room with Britta, and he's like, you know, <clears throat> I assumed Troy was a big fan, but he hasn't said a word to me. Now I got to go catch this flight. And Britta is like, no, 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 please stay. Troy talks about you all the time. He, he, he loves you. Um, what, what if, what if I gave you some money to, to change to a later flight? Um, and she offers him $261, which is literally all of her money. And he's like, no, that's all right. I'll stay. You know, you're a really generous friend, but you're really stupid with money. Mm-hmm. Britta is very pleased with herself and in a talking head she, it's, she says it's not that I'm selfish I'm just really stupid with my money dilemma deleted Britta for the win <laughs> uh, I do love how Britta takes this as a victory I mean you know I can, I can really see this for Britta because being selfish and being generous are moral character questions okay fair being stupid with money is not necessarily a question of morals as as a person sure there is the saying that you can't pour from an empty cup so if you're bad with money and you try to be generous it doesn't i mean flow, as yes you will. there there are certainly some lessons to learn about how to be better with money so that not only can you take care of yourself, but also you can't take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself. Right. So there Maybe are, that's just there a wisdom thing rather than a moral thing then. Right. There are absolutely lessons to be learned there. However, a person who gives everything that they have... Uh, I mean, I would argue... Giving $263 or $261 to LeVar Burton so he doesn't change his flight so he can hang out with your friend. Maybe not the most important issue, but yes. if you are the kind of person who will literally give the last bit that you have while literally you are worried about being kicked out of your apartment in April, like... I don't think there's a question about whether or not you are a, a generous and kind and good person sure um at least in this respect i mean you could you know punch baby seals on your weekends i don't know what you sure do. you know a a, a a decent amount of people do it and we all dislike them for it but they still do it but you know in this in this regard that makes you a very generous person that is and th- and the 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 fact that she only has 263 dollars mm-hmm. to her name does not imply morality one way or the other. And so in that, that regard, 
she she finds that generosity to be a bigger deal than how much money she has in her checking account. And so, yeah, I absolutely buy that moment from Britta because she, I mean, if she cared more about money, she would probably be less bad with money. Also a good point. Uh, She also appreciates that LeVar Burton didn't take it because can you imagine bouncing a check to LeVar Burton? Uh, She specifically is like, can you imagine bouncing a check to Kunta Kinte? (laughs) Why, why everybody refers to him as Kunta Kinte is including himself later. He refer he's like more fish for Kunta. I don't understand. It's because he played Kunta well, Kinte and I, I, I know that he was in it, but why like I'm not gonna see like Will Farrell and be like, hey, it's Ron Burgundy. I mean it so him him doing it in the, to himself in the tag is a callback to Britta's line for sure. Sure. I don't know if there's an in universe reason for him to do that because he's not <laughs> in that talking head moment. Right. Britta, absolutely. I I know exactly why she brings it up, and it's because she has watched Roots, I'm sure, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that that there is probably a lot of white guilt in that, sure. and just the idea of bouncing a check to somebody who played such a huge role in such a huge... That's fair event i'm sure i'm 100 sure that she would feel worse about bouncing a check to him for that reason whether or not that actually makes a difference but she personally would feel worse about bouncing that check than if she bounced a check to like nathan fillion like Mm -hmm. she doesn't she doesn't care that he was on firefly and castle it doesn't matter but like Bouncing I'll a check, Troy do. Bouncing a check to the guy who played Kunta Quinte. No way, Britta's not <laughs> gonna bounce a check to that guy. Fair enough. Uh, Britta does mention how much she loved Rebop earlier, which is a show that was canceled before she was born, and she was just nostalgic from an early age. So that that fat that that fits in pretty well. We cut back to Jeff. He is outside of the hospital as a sedan pulls up. Mm. And Jeff's phone rings, and it is very obviously a uh, Pierce Hawthorne going, Jeffrey, this is your father. See, I'm in this sedan. See, I'm waving. I can't come any closer, my boy. This is too difficult. And Pierce Pierce thinks he's going to buy this. And Jeff chases the car down. Pierce slams it in reverse. Uh, He ends up uh, hitting a a car behind him in the parking lot. Yeah. Jeff reaches in and starts trying to pull Pierce out of the car. And also kind of like beat the crap out of him. Um, And uh, the rest of the study group tries to pull Jeff off of him. And Pierce is like, look, I am sick of you people not taking me seriously. You forget my birthday. You don't invite me to your Dungeons and Dragons game or your secret trampoline. You think I'm some kind of joke. Jeff tells him this isn't disproving the theory. I would also like to point out that, okay, it sucks to have your birthday forgotten. That that is fair. However... The other two things that he specifically lists 
the Dungeons and Dragons game, and the secret trampoline are things that he has explicitly ruined upon finding out about. It is true. It's absolutely true. And he did it because he was excluded initially. So like... It doesn't really give you give a, a good like, oh, yes, thanks. Thanks. Goodness. We 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 may, we may not have told him about the D&D game, but now that we did, it was a fun experience for everyone. Right. It is like, oh, well, um, we he didn't reinforce our choice. We excluded you from the D&D game for the exact reason that when you found out about you ruined it. And uh, maybe that's why we don't invite you to crap, Pierce. Like, yeah. The, the three examples, two out of his three examples are terrible examples. And the other one is just like, yeah, okay, I can, uh, I can put a calendar reminder on my Google calendar. That's fine. <laughs> it's like, true. <laughs> one of these things doesn't look like the other. <laughs> we get a, a little bit of a, a voiceover by Jeff and he's like, apparently I need to say some things to my father. Uh, you know, things that I just screamed at Pierce. Um, but Pierce doesn't deserve... Uh, Pierce deserves some of those things. But so does my father. Right. Uh, Annie goes to Pierce in his room saying, I figured out your test. This is you showing me the dangers of my own elitism. My constant striving to be the best. And gives the tiara back. And Pierce is like, yeah, okay. You you pass. And she leaves and he's like, ah, actually, she was just my favorite. I do like the idea that he tortures literally everybody, but he just likes Annie. And so yeah. here's, here's a tiara. I, I do. I, I am interested to what is Abed's torture here? Is it that she, he has to film everyone else being tortured? I guess. I mean, cause yeah, he doesn't get bequeathed anything. He's just tasked to make this documentary. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Speaking of Abed, he, this is he starts his closing monologue about how you can always cut together random shots and when cut together they can suggest a profound thematic connection over a montage <laughs> of just that. Uh Shirley throws away the CD, Britta finishes donating the money, Lavar reads to Troy who is still freaking out, Annie is coming out of the bathroom, which is an interesting uh B-roll, um uh, and then Garrett, Pavel and Abed all wave at the camera and bow. I do want to call out this specific speech. Uh, again, because Parks and Recreation, one of my favorite shows, Abed specifically calling out because uh, he says. So I thought the documentary format would be like fish in a barrel, but as is the case with a real barrel of fish, after a while it can become cramped, chaotic and stinky. Fortunately, if in the end your documentary is turning out just as messy as real life, you can always wrap it up with a series of random shots, which when cut together under a generic voiceover, suggest a profound thematic connection. I'm not knocking it. It works. And I want to call that out because I feel like every episode of Parks and Rec does this, where they're just like, here's a bunch of shots about yes. people in the episode <laughs> coming to the end of whatever their episode was about. They're they're making amends and they're they're wrapping up storylines. Yeah. And usually it's Leslie Nope, but not always Leslie Nope. But they're they're just kind of explaining, you know, what's going on. And then you get the credits, and it's like that's where it ends. I'm like, damn it, Abed. You, you, Abed you are coming. Abed is coming for Parks and Rec. 
You are nailing the Parks and Rec bit. You you got this, buddy. You know this. Holy crap. And again, The Office and Parks and Rec were on NBC at the time. They were they right. were huge things. And I'm like, oh man, the the writers they, they knew they knew, they knew what they was going on. They had to know. Um, I looked this up earlier. I think this is another Megan Gans episode. Okay, that that would make sense. I I think she's got a very very funny eye for this kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's uh, another Megan Gans episode, which yeah. uh, like again she knocks this one out of the park because Absolutely. like you got the humor, you got the characters, you got um, calling I, out Parks and Rec, amazing. It's true. Um, Troy does see something through a door's window. It is Pierce and Jeff asleep in Pierce's room. And then Pierce tells the camera quietly that the two of them became like father and son today. And Jeff's like, no, we did not. Uh, we got we cut to the tag, which is LeVar Burton and Troy in the study room of all places. Having I mean, dinner where together. Else, where else are you going to have your nice dinner there, friend? Mm-hmm. They're eating a nice salmon dinner. Uh, and um, he... LeVar, he God bless him. LeVar Burton. He is trying is still, to make that connection. He's trying to make that connection. Um, you know, it's like when I met Felicia Day and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to say to like a famous sure. person. And she was she was very sweet. And she was just like, she was asking me like questions, whatever. Because I'm like, I don't know what to say. I've never met a famous person before. I'm bad right. at famous people. Sure. And like bad bridging, at dating, bad at famous people. Uh-huh. Bridging that gap is like a, a, you know, celebrity, like a, if you want to be a celebrity that actually connects with, with fans, like that's a, a skill and LeVar sure. is trying and I appreciate that he's doing that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that Felicia Day did that with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm appreciative of Griffin McElroy for not laughing at me immediately when I <laughs> asked him that I, I told him that I love Griffin's Amiibo Corner. And so, uh, you know, LeVar is trying and, um. Troy is still terrified. And so LeVar <laughs> starts singing butterfly in the sky. Like he starts singing the song. And then as, as he sort of ends that phrase, uh, Troy just starts crying. And then he screams and runs out the door. He's, uh, he's gone. He's lo- he, he, lo- he, he can't, he can't even hold that where he was together anymore. It's all gone. And then, yeah, that's when LeVar is like, well, more fish for Kunta. And he, he takes a little bit of uh, <laughs> takes a little bit of uh, Troy Salmon. And that is the end of the episode. And that means that it is time for This episode is really interesting because as a very Pierce centric episode and specifically not just Pierce centric, but specifically the the connections that pierce has to the study group mm-hmm. he has been a very big villain in this season um you know especially in uh advanced dungeons and dragons i mean we got some comments in the uh in our fan group about just how much of a villain pierce was to to the uh, to the extent that some people are like, I legitimately had feelings about, you know, him calling Neil just, you know, super fat, whatever. Right. Um, Pierce is, is such a huge villain in this season. And then to have this episode to be like, 
literally an episode where all he does is torture people but like in a way where he is i mean other than lying to jeff about how he found jeff's father right everything else is is on the surface kind of nice like i mean if a friend of mine was like oh yeah i got lavar burton to come say hi to you i'd be like whoa holy crap like that's awesome yeah i mean on paper that's a huge thing except troy has explicitly said he never wants to actually meet lavar burton because you can't disappoint a picture he only wanted a picture he only wanted a picture um so it's a very interesting place to explore uh with pierce being this mastermind of just psychological torture while doing all these nice things for people right. doing nice things for the the people in his life he considers friends and maybe the closest connections he has in his entire life right now right um and it's also just like it's also just a really good episode i mean donald glover repeatedly in this episode his reactions to lavar burton him sobbing in a bathroom while singing reading rainbow theme incredible sort of um, everything about donald glover in this episode is so good and i i really like how uh i, I really like britta's story about like what it means to be a good person like yeah pierce is is torturing britta while doing this but it is this question about like you know britta exists as this sort of performative good person i mean we've talked about this plenty of times on the show she is better at looking like she cares than actually doing the work to show that she cares right and she has to confront that in this episode we've talked about how shirley is this like force of guilt to like try to get people to what do what she does and she has to confront that in, in this episode so not only is it this like okay we're looking at pierce and how he fits into the group but also we are looking at a lot of the characters individually jeff and his relationship with his father britta and her relationship with herself uh, Shirley and her relationship with the rest of the group and and what her, her guilt does to people um and then just having you know Troy be freaked out by LeVar Burton <laughs> and Abed sure. getting to flex his his uh, documentary muscle and and rip on the office and Parks and Rec a little bit it's all very good uh I really enjoy this episode it does go to some occasional dark places uh, just sure. through that psychological torture, which, again, I'm fine with. I have no qualms with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this episode is an A. It's a very easy A for me. Okay. Classic community episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I, I am of two minds of this episode, and you kind of discussed it a little bit. Like, all the comedic parts are really good. Like, I will... This is the episode that launched like 15 gifts of Donald Glover because he's so tremendous in this episode. But at the same time, the connective tissue of this episode is Pierce with the people that care most about him that we know of, that he cares for clearly 
and he's just torturing them by looking like they're it's being nice, but with a very like devilish almost like thing behind it of like, oh, I know what you want and I could give you what you wanted, but I'm going to give you something that is past what you would have wanted, but isn't what you want. He is a human monkey's paw. Exactly. And, and that kind of like, I don't want to say negativity, but that kind of like Machiavellian almost like reaction to doing nice things for people while you're dying or dying uh, with scare quotes. That's true. It's also not nice to pretend that you're dying uh, to manipulate. That's also not great. I will throw that out. (laughs) Yeah. You're it's, it's all manipulative. And I, that, part leaves a really really bad taste in my mouth even though i know it's a comedic thing to Mm -hmm. put these characters in this position of having having to really like take stock of themselves and you get this very explicitly in any story where it's not really torturing her but she takes it as if it is sure and and i think that's really interesting that he still plays favorites he stills you know like abed doesn't get tortured unless you understand unless you believe that Pierce's dis- way of torturing Abed is by wa- making him film everybody get tortured, which is meta and is not supported by the textual in, in the, the show that kind of like negative center of this episode to me really draws it down into a negative spot to the point where I, I literally last, I, w- I watched this episode last night and I told you like I had to stop and pause and walk away because I mm-hmm. just, it, it left me in a negative place. It, it definitely brings some, uh, some specific energy to the episode. Right. And it really sucks because everything else is so f- like good because you get a lot of good character growth from, Jeff, you get a lot of good character growth from Britta from, from, you know, Shirley recognizes that she's a weapon of guilt. Troy makes a lot of funny noises. Like all of these really interesting things happen, but just Pierce sucks. (laughs) Yeah. This, uh, this Um, just reinforces the fact that you should never watch Bojack Horseman as much as I love the uh, the thing. And, (laughs) But and, and also if this like, is a lot for you. Yeah, yeah. But I also recognize that this is really well made, and you have to kind of like understand the characters and what their motivations are, and what they like and what they dislike to get to the point of this is how you can torture this character. So, from a writing perspective, even from an acting perspective, it's all incredibly well done. The flourishes of the the documentary format and the jokes around that really well done. It's just not my, it's not one of the ones I go to, um, if sure. that makes sense. It's not. And I th- I think that's fair. I mean, I think it can be well done and be not for you. And you're totally allowed to grade on that, that curve. Um, Excellent. I wasn't looking for that, but I will take it. Um, <laughs> so I'm probably like, I, I understand where you're coming from with, with the A that you gave it. I know that, you know, Bojack Horseman and you're the worst and things like that. They're my um, jams. They're your jam. And this is closer to that than what I generally like. Um, but it's well-made. It is. It's not one. I'm going to be like, well, I can't listen to this. I can't watch this. Like the, the Schmitty episode. Um, it is, it's on, you know, it's not one of my favorites, but if I wasn't honestly, if I wasn't taking notes, I wouldn't be pausing this and being like, I got to walk up and get a walk around. It's kind of like 
writing it down and being like, oh, crap, this is actually happening. That kind of sure you're Sure, you're processing more stuff when you're actually taking right. notes to talk about it critically. Yes, that, fair point. So I think, again, I it, it's not going to be one I'm skipping. It's really well done. I'll probably give it a B because it's not my flavor. Okay. Uh, but we want to know what you think about this episode, about uh, whether you can do other things in a waiting room than its intended purpose mm-hmm. to wait. What would you bring to an office uh, show and tell for adults? I hate the I hate the fr- the addition of for adults. I I do. <laughs> Here, do you want me to read out the? Uh... I, I saw it. I saw it. I saw uh, the card. Poddex.com if you have concerns with the poddex. They will be hearing from my lawyers, uh, by which I mean myself, because I do not have legal representation for petty qualms. Um, <laughs> I look forward to the, the lawyer that you hire please. for this petty qualm. Uh, they'll be hearing from my petty qualms lawyer uh, momentarily. Um, we You're want going to, to torture know. them in a very specific way. We want to know all these things and more. Uh, we want to. Oh, we want to know if uh, w- whether the PlayStation or the Xbox is cooler, um, because we we apparently have opinions on that for some reason. <laughs> of course, why would we not? Uh, it was part of the the pre show banter, but I did post a poll on my personal Twitter as to whether or not people think that Joe Biden. Uh, has an is an Xbox guy or a PlayStation guy? Wasn't this um, weeks ago? <laughs> it was weeks ago. The result came back that uh, it was like fifty six percent think that Joe Biden is an Xbox guy. Okay, um, fair enough. So I think we anyways we, we did decide together that Switch was a given. Switch is a given. Yeah. Okay. We want to know all that and more. You can tweet at Good Greendale if you want to tweet at us, or you can. Uh, send us an email by going to the website goodmorninggreendale.com there's a form there you can fill out that'll just send us an email and we can uh, talk about it read it on the show um, you know all that good stuff also Brita water filters that's where you go to, to request <laughs> our uh, I, I our th- forgot about every three months I podcast. forgot about the Brita water filters <laughs> podcast uh, How could and I'm, you? I'm this is why you need a pod because you forget about those filters. You need a podcast that pops on your feed every three months to be like, it is time to change your Brita water filter for maximum freshness. Brita, you heard it. <laughs> Just pay a little bit. We'll get it to you. We're on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash back to Futurama, where we post uh, some. We usually have some pre-show banter uh, that we post. Uh, some people find it funny, which is great. Um, we also do a live show once a month uh, for mm-hmm. $5 and up Patreon patrons. And, and during those, I have a lot of video shenanigans. And we've not mentioned it in a while, but there is also a fan group created by our own fan, Laura, who uh, created the League of Jeremy's. It is on Facebook. You can find it there. Just look up League of Jeremy's. I assume it's the only one. I'm pretty sure it's the <laughs> only one. Uh, um, and that'll do it. Oh, yes. I thought oh, you had well, something. I just, yeah, I just want to say thank you for coming to the end of these episodes. We really appreciate uh, your your ears and your time that you give. This limited time on Earth that you give to us making really dumb jokes about Brita Water Filter Podcasts. So uh, we, we love you very much and thank you for 
thank you for everything. This is, this is always a fun thing to do. And, and the fact that people are out there listening to it is just, just wonderful. So thank you. And, uh, if LeVar Burton ever wants to come on this podcast, we promise to not freak out and yell. Not only um, that, but I will clean my room. <laughs> like I, uh, he's not going to see all this nonsense until next time. I'm Ben and I'm Mike. I, I wish, wish you, you luck. luck.